0: This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available. Intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. A
1: digital nomad by definition is someone who travels country to country and utilizes tourist visas to do such. And meaning, you know, a tourist visa typically in any place doesn't last longer than uh, 90 days. And a slow mad, by definition, would be someone doing that longer. So they're finding ways to stay maybe a year, you know, uh, they're finding ways to stay uh, six months or longer at a place. So they're not moving around as quickly. They're getting set up longer. They're staying longer.
0: There you go. A nice breakdown of the difference between digital nomads and slow mads from today's guest, Tim Martin. And if you find yourself debating what style of travel you might want to partake in, In the future, this episode is Tim's case for embracing your inner tortoise and slowing down. Here he shares his top five reasons for slow matting, bringing up some solid arguments like this one.
1: With slow matting, I think you get a newfound appreciation for places that you travel and consider them a home.
0: Of course, we also dig into some of the many challenges that come along with the slow mad lifestyle, including visas and why balancing your remote work culture With the culture of a country you're in, isn't always such an easy task, and Tim shares some personal experience around that. You'll also hear how boredom led to a life of travel for him and why it's important for you to find time to just be bored. And no, I didn't forget, destinations is still the theme for this month, so you'll hear some of Tim's favorite spots to set up shop for the long term.
1: I love the culture. I want to buy a home there uh, in the near future because I just, I love it. it. It is a second home to me.
0: All of that and much more coming your way in today's interview segment. Plus a shout out to a listener and a friend who is making my dreams come true. And perhaps you're doing that as well and you don't even know it. You'll have to find out what that's all about. Of course, I'll leave you with a quote at the end to send you off. And it's all happening right now. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out. Letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms. To fill your life with as much travel as you desire. No matter what your situation or experience. Traveling the world on your terms. A little reminder that that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Which is why I use that terminology when I came up with the concept for the show 10 years ago. Everybody has different needs when it comes to traveling and those needs change over time and those travel styles change over time and you can be intentional about your travel style and that was one thing I wanted to bring up as we go into this show sharing the top five reasons for slow matting. This might not be for everybody right now, this style of travel, but it is a style of travel that is growing in popularity for a variety of reasons. Technology is improving, making it much easier for people to start businesses, to work from anywhere. There are more visa options coming on to, let's call it the market, <laughs> the traveler's market. There are more visa options that countries are putting out there for you to come visit and stay for a longer term as countries begin to see the value in these long-term stays. But where's the value for you? As well, And what kind of life does this give you on the road? What are some of the perks and the advantages and some of the challenges of traveling at a very, very slow pace? You could almost not call it traveling, really living around the world in many ways over a long extended period of time. And I wanted to talk about some of those. I wanted to hear... Some of those from somebody who's been doing it for a while, and that is Tim Martin. We got connected uh, through his website, Citizen Remote. Over there, they are building one of the largest and most collaborative international slowmad and remote working communities in the world. That's what they are working on, and Tim is the co-founder and COO of Citizen Remote. We'll link up to all that in the show notes for you. But what I really wanted to talk to Tim about was his journey and get his take on this lifestyle, which he himself has been living for many years and pull out some of those key lessons, key learnings for you to consider when it comes to your own travels. And of course we also dive into his journey to a life on the road, always so much to learn from these stories. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. One last reminder, if you want to stick around on the back end. You can certainly do that. I'm going to share a shout out to a member of this listening community who's making one of my big dreams come true. Perhaps you're doing that as well right in this very moment. You'll see what that's all about. I'll leave you with a quote and one question to consider that I think ties this episode up pretty nicely. You can hear all that after my conversation with Tim, which you're going to hear right now. Thanks again for being here. Please enjoy. Is that a local Kansas term? (sighs)
1: Struggle bus. (laughs) It's a local brother term. I, I don't know. To be honest, I thought it was pretty mainstream. Um... Uh, I definitely know my brother said it to me all the time, and that's I don't know where else I would have gotten it to be honest.
0: <laughs> Why are you on the struggle bus
1: today? um well,, ugh, so many reasons um just set up in a new hotel because I'm in part of the I think I mentioned I'm in this like digital nomad in Herzegovina pilot program, and we're essentially just getting carted from place to place to place, so um exhaustion is setting in and um, but you know, it seems like this is, this is one of my favorite places we've been so far hotel wise. Um, cause the internet's good. We got a little place to ourselves to set up here and that's not at every place. So
0: where's home for you right now?
1: Um, home is where your heart is. No, <laughs> no. Uh, or your backpack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or my massive suitcase with all of my equipment. Um, <laughs> Barcelona. So just South of Barcelona. Yeah. Um, I think we're, I think I'll probably want to move further south, but I just got a five-year residency permit in Spain, so that's congratulations. A, cheers, man! It is exciting.
0: Well, I mean, we might as well get some practical advice right off the bat here. How how does somebody get a residency permit in Spain like that?
1: Um, so I had a partner that I used to that I met in Australia. And she's actually Italian. And so from that, it was easier to get a Spanish resident, temporary residence permit in Spain with an Italian than it was to get an Italian one. Really? Um, So essentially, yeah, I think it was just the ease of allowing us to declare our partnership because, you know, we weren't wanting to get married or anything. So they essentially said, like, we're in a stable relationship. And there's a way to do that uh, in Barcelona pretty easily with a civil union thing that essentially allows us to kind of declare that my visa is through her
0: yeah okay so all we need to do is travel to australia meet a partner from italy travel yeah. back to europe and go to spain and it's pretty easy traveling. man okay, at the yeah. end of the day <laughs> sounds pretty straightforward well i i have to formally welcome tim Martin to the zero to travel podcast welcome to the podcast my friend how are you today
1: cheers man i'm doing great i've been so excited for this one
0: me too. I know uh, we met pretty recently, and you brought up the idea of maybe running through a list of the benefits of slow matting. And we're going to get to that list. How many things do you have on the list?
1: Uh, so I had, and I got to pull it back. Up. I was just looking
0: at it before we hopped on. I think I had like five. So. Okay, cool. I see. Well, if it's the original one you sent along, it's actually advanced this one to me. I usually don't know what the list is, but if it's the same one, I think it's. I think we've got yeah five or six anyway one two, we'll see three, in the end four, five. yeah that's it i'll keep it up you haven't been back to your home country in five years is that right yep that's correct at all you haven't set even set foot on the soil nope have your parents come to visit you or family or anything like that
1: so, my brother was just in Spain uh, before I came to Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, so, that was about a month ago. And that was the first time I'd seen him since I'd left. Um, and then my family, actually, when I was in Italy, my, my parents came and visited me uh, when I was in Italy. So, that was okay. a, a nice reunion as well.
0: Yeah. Were they kind of like, all right, well, I guess our son's never going to fly back and <laughs>
1: I think (laughs) think they've gotten we
0: we better go see him (laughs) yeah
1: it's it's one of those well you know they'd I'd wanted them to really come and visit me in Australia because mm, I absolutely love that place but COVID hit and that kind of lengthened how easy it was and how long it was before I'd seen them again so
0: did you grow up traveling or was this like an unexpected path for them Did, Did they more expect the traditional path from their kids
1: uh, yeah. So, I mean, my parents always said, you know, graduate from university and you can do whatever you want. And so that was always, But did my thing. they really
0: mean it? <laughs> I don't think
1: so. Looking back on it. Um, uh, but no, they're, they're pretty happy with what I'm doing and you know, they use it as an excuse to travel themselves. So it's kind of a win-win for them. Obviously they miss me and I miss, you know, being, uh, from my hometown. But at the same time, uh, it was one of those things that we had traveled a bit around the U.S., Not so much um, internationally. I think I'd gone to uh, Cancun, and obviously, you know, everyone does. And then we maybe went to Costa Rica, um, and that was it. Okay, well, that's,
0: I mean, that's something. It's more than a lot of people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was doing a small real estate thing uh, after graduating university. I call it university now. I've been in Australia too long after graduating college. Uh and I was sitting in a hospital waiting room, nothing serious, just getting a checkup and I was bored and thought I want to go to Scotland. Well, there's nothing stopping me. I don't have classes, you know, I'm doing my own thing and I booked a flight and from that trip, it was like 3 months out from that trip, I never looked back um and just kept traveling.
0: I'm bored. I want to go <laughs> to Scotland.
1: <laughs> it was amazing. That's still one of my I think it's probably the f- best place I've been to. Um, in all of my travels. Maybe it's just because it's the first one. So it sits at home with me and I have some heritage there. But my goodness, that place is beautiful.
0: I think the first time I heard somebody talk about boredom here on the podcast is this guy, Oystein Grenny, who's like a Norwegian rock star, basically. I had him on the show. And one of the things I remember he, he mentioned, he was like, oh, I was asking about creativity and I can't remember exactly what happened. You can find it in the archives. But he said, "Yeah, I think it's really important. You got to get bored." And I was like, w- "Okay, yeah, I guess we're so used to kind of looking for inspiration externally, and and then I've heard that several times, and now i hear hearing you say you were bored, so you booked a trip to Scotland. It's like there is value in boredom, I think, oh, but absolutely. like yeah, we have to allow ourselves to be to be bored because with the you know the good old smartphones, we have uh, nonstop entertainment in our pockets as the jo- father John Misty song, total entertainment forever. I love that title. Cause it's like, that's the way it is right now. What are your thoughts? So do you allow yourself time to just be bored and get inspired through that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a really good, you know, it's, it can go two ways cause you can find a way out of that boredom, uh, with bad habits or bad decisions, you know, just to fit to fulfill that kind of need of let me do something else. Um, or you can do it in a way that is, you know, productive, uh, inspirational. Uh, and I think that I got lucky in that uh, in that hospital waiting room because I chose let's go travel and explore a bit, which I'd always wanted to do. Um, but, you know, you can easily fill boredom with buying a, a useless thing that you'll never use again. I don't know a good example of that, but utilizing that and then creating the correct decisions from that, it can be really good. And then also being backed into a corner um, like getting yourself backed into a wall. Like when I was in the process of getting my visa in Spain and I did entrepreneurial consulting a bit for restaurants in Australia, and then I'm over here and I don't speak the best Spanish, uh, even still. And so it's really hard to, uh, consult with business language to, you know, uh, a language that you don't even speak. And so, from that, I was backed into a corner. I wasn't even allowed to leave Spain while I was applying for the visa, which took over a year. And so, you know, it, it really helped me kind of force me to be creative and figure out another way to make money, um, which is kind of what I'm doing now. So, you know, boredom and then I guess backing yourself into a corner, great ways to be uh creative.
0: Yeah. It seems like when when I talk to people who have been traveling for an extended period of time, it does seem like they can often trace the origin of that to one transformative trip that really kind of blew their mind wide open it sounds like scotland was that for you
1: Mm -hmm. and then australia continued it and now now italy yeah well i mean just tell us about kind
0: of how that opened things up because you were you were graduated at the point at that point or Mm -hmm. just grad just recently graduated is that right
1: yeah Okay. Yep, that's correct. So I just graduated and I was doing, you know, this real estate kind of side investing. I think we had like three properties at the time. And I, you know, wasn't loving it. I kind of started that company because I had had, you know, the next steps in my life set up. I had a, a girlfriend at the time. And so I was like, all right, let's go to stage two, I guess, whatever. After, after graduating, let's, let's get the family set up. Let's get some income. Uh, and then, you know, we had broken up and I was like, let's go, which also is probably another thing that made me just book something in the middle of the, the hospital waiting room. And so, yeah, I, I going through the West Highland way, which I, I say this all the time. And anybody who asks just going on this hike and doing this like seven day long pub crawl is what they call it. Even though it's not a pub crawl, you're, you're hiking a hundred miles, but there are like pubs every like, you know, uh, 10 miles on the, on the trek. Uh it was just amazing, beautiful. The people, you know, going outside of the US, hearing these different accents, and then people just coming up to you in bars and being like, well, What are you doing here? And it was just such an inviting and new culture. They have such a you know larger and vast history than the US does, um, you know, thousands of years. Um, and so just all these things kind of hit me at once and I was just inspired to see more, you know, beauty out there, meet more cultures. Uh, and it, you really do learn a lot from those things. And so after graduating uh, and being a bit bored with my real estate, it definitely wasn't a passion of mine. Uh, I found a way to be kind of inspired and educated through my travels. So,
0: yeah. So through that inspiration on that trip, did some of that give you sort of the confidence to revisit what you were doing and leave some of that stuff behind? I don't know how you closed down that company or if you did, you know, it's it's not an easy decision to shut something down, especially if it's profitable. But if you're wanting to move on and do other things, just wondering how that if those two things were related for you, how that went for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it just comes down to the fact that it wasn't a passion of mine. You know, it was a way to make money. But the reason I wasn't going to corporate life is because I knew I wasn't going to be passionate about it. So... Originally, I'd started the real estate because I thought it was going to be a passion, although I quickly found out that it's not so passive, especially when you start uh, and it's a lot of work involved. And, you know, I'd had a conversation with someone about deciding what to do, the next steps I should take. And I talked about travel, and he gave me some really good advice, which is pretty much once you, like, he had a friend who did what I was contemplating doing, which was travel before getting, you know, his career job. And he said he did about three years of being a ski bum on the slopes. And now he is just where his friend was at, Uh, you know, 20 years later, he has kids. They're both very wealthy. They're the exact same space, but he wants to travel. The guy I was talking to, and he has a wife and kids and it's very difficult where his friend, you know, has a wife and kids and did all that travel. And he said, we're no different off like we are in the exact same places. If I could give you any advice, it's go travel now because you'll want to, and won't be able to later. And that was like the switch for me um, that kind of confirmed, all right, I'm good. To, I'm good to postpone all this. I can always come back to it. I know how to get it going. Um, and so I just sold it and started traveling to, well, Southeast Asia and then Australia.
0: That story is a nice reminder. That's just about the importance of conversations. And, and connection, right? Those things, we could read things online and get inspired until our eyes fall out of our heads. But when it comes down to it, a conversation like that can can change your life, or in your case, flip the switch. And it's just important, yeah. Just a, a it's a public service reminder to all of us humans out there to to keep uh, connecting and conversing in that way, which is a uh, is what I love about these these conversations here. Cause we get we get to share these stories. What was a memorable lesson that you learned from your parents growing up?
1: A memorable lesson. I mean, is it about anything or is it about yeah, business? It, open or? question.
0: Open-ended questions are my jam. <laughs>
1: okay, I'll go with this one. There was I I was always very active in sports and I was just the most competitive a-hole you'll have ever met. Um, uh, and it's still to this day, I can't help, but just want to, you know, win. <laughs> um, and I've learned to taper that for sure, because I would rather, you know, have a good time and say, good job after, you know, losing as much as I might go crazy internally. But there was one time when I was so upset and it was like little league baseball, like nothing serious. Uh, and I didn't shake, you know, you all line up and you shake hands at the end and i didn't shake anyone's hand and i was you know obviously my dad noticed that everyone you know was like whatever the coaches said you know don't do that and my dad absolutely exploded on me in the car ride home like i'd never seen him he was a very calm guy he was very you know a great dad but he absolutely exploded on me and i was you know this kid and i was just scared and so pretty much that kind of fired in me like you know and and he said Nice, you know, constructive things. It It wasn't teaching you a lesson. Yeah, exactly. It was constructive yelling. Um, and so from that though, I realized like a lot of things in which he said, which was, you know, just it's not all about you know yourself and what you need and your drive, but like you know, step outside. There'll be another tomorrow. Keep going at it. If you're upset, let it drive you. Don't let it bring you down and affect everyone else from that. Hmm. So
0: yeah that's great. thanks for sharing that. Talk about your time on the road. I'd like to hear a bit about how you yeah just some of the some of the lessons you learned on the travel side. We'll get into some of the bigger broader lessons of slow matting, but you know traveling around Australia for example is something I have not gotten to do yet and i'm I'm going to do it one day. I feel like oh that'll be I, I don't know. Some of these countries I have sort of booked Mark is like, oh, that can be like an easier type of trip in some ways. So I can do that with my kids. And, and I, I don't know, just put it off. But I, I still want to go to Australia. So yeah, I guess, yeah, give us some uh, advice or about traveling around Australia, Southeast Asia. We'll start with Australia.
1: Yeah, you wait just really quickly. That you said you don't want to go to Australia. No, I do you, want to go. Okay, yeah I, yeah.
0: I if I if I said I don't, I misspoke because I yeah. I definitely want to go and I want to do yeah, kind of want to do like an RV or a camper van type thing. We'll see, but and, yeah, and that would hear- be
1: that would be my advice. Um, yeah, okay. so when I was in Australia, everyone always said the West Coast is the best coast. Um, and you know, a little classy zinger there, but it is. Honestly, in my opinion, unless you're in Queensland, especially like northeast Queensland, kind of up by Cairns, which is just kind of more desolate, uh, I definitely prefer the west coast. The beaches are insanely untouched. You always hear about European beaches, but, you know, they're a bit more compact and crowded while beautiful. Yes, but it's a different kind of beauty in Australia. So uh, I think, you know, one thing you should definitely do if you go to Australia is Book out more time because it is on the opposite side of the world, no matter where you're at. Um, And so book out enough time to spend there and get some kind of four wheeler because you can go camping and you can pitch a tent. They have things where you just pinch tents on the side of the highway because their highways are so uncrowded. You Um, you can go on any beach and just pitch a tent, most any beach, uh, and you will not see anyone for, you know, Miles and miles, so that is one thing that I would absolutely recommend doing is go to the West Coast, which is Perth, and then straight up to like Broome, uh, Exmouth, and all that area, or down to Esperance and just get an RV and pitch tents. You know, you don't even have to get hotels if you don't want to, if you you like camping.
0: Yeah, was it pretty affordable then in that way?
1: Oh yeah, I mean you pay for you know gasoline fuel and that's that's it. You know, you get some grocery store items and you're done.
0: How long did you travel around there?
1: Uh, it would have been about three years uh, by, the, by the time I was done. Three
0: years? So. Okay. Is it hard to legally stay for three years as a U.S. citizen?
1: No, it was actually it's actually quite easy uh, compared to like, a European citizen because the way that I stayed there was through a working holiday visa, uh, which is a- applicable for anyone under the age of 30, although they might have just bumped that up after COVID to 35 to bring more people. Um, but for us citizens, you can do a much wider variety of tasks as opposed to like European citizens to extend your visa. So essentially you have to work three months in a certain thing, uh, depending on your skills and then you can extend it again the next year. If you do six months in that specific job or role, and then, uh, that, that allows you the three years essentially. So you can extend it twice.
0: We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by US Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Now, back to the show. So when you went, did you know you were going to go for three years? Was the intention to sort of stay there as long as possible and figure out a way to earn some income as, as you went? How did that work for you? Because that's always the, the conundrum, I suppose, right? Like, how long can I go or how much money do I have saved up? And if I don't have a lot, am I going to figure out a way to earn to keep sustaining my travels?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I had had, I would sold, you know, the real estate stuff. So I'd had some money, um, enough actually to sustain myself and I was in investing as well. But then with the working holiday visa, it does allow you to work in country. So being able to just go to a place like Australia, if you speak English is the easiest thing ever. Um, and I pretty much had the intention of going for, I I believe it was a year and then I was going to go the next year to New Zealand. And then I was gonna keep traveling until I was thirty. Um and I you know, I met one guy at one of the first places I ended up landing a job and I said, This is my plan, I'm doing this, this, and this. And he, he just laughed at me and he said, Nope, that's not happening. I was like, No, 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 it's like I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna he's like, no you have no idea what you're gonna do. Just stop and you're gonna enjoy. And he was absolutely correct. Although I did not believe it at the time and my plans completely changed. Um, I extended twice doing stuff that I didn't expect to do, never went to New Zealand, you know, and then I ended up finally coming to Italy. Uh, and now I'm living in Spain, which I would have never thought in a million years. So my intention was to travel. I didn't realize how much I'd fall in love with it. Uh, but if you, you know, if your intention is to go and just be gone, then, there's many different ways to do that, and you know, just be open, I guess, because it's all, it's all great in the end of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you said you unexpectedly ended up in Italy. How did that happen?
1: Yeah. So I'd actually just gotten um, another visa, so I could have stayed for another year in Australia, but uh, my girlfriend was essentially, uh, at the time, was essentially saying she just had a huge thing with her wisdom teeth removed. She had had a bad surgery and it was really serious and kind of scary. She, you know, she went to the ER and it was like her breathing almost stopped. Anyways, from that, I think that kind of freaked her out, um, as it would anyone <laughs> rightfully so. And so she essentially was like, oh, I want to go home to my family in Italy. Uh, and that was kind of where my decision was, well, do I stay in Australia or, you know, do I go to Italy for a summer and, you know, the Italian summer uh, in Southern Italy was kind of a win, win for me. And so I said, well, I'd love to come as well. She was like, great. And so then that's kind of how the Italy thing happened.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear she's okay.
1: Yeah, She's doing great now. So (laughs) she's loving it too. She's happy to be back in Europe.
0: Can you tell us about the first time you met her family?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we got picked up uh, at the airport. Um, and I'd been on Duolingo, you know, for you know, up to a few months before that. But, you know, I'm really busy with all my other work. So to be, I don't dedicate nearly as much time as I should learning another language. But uh, I, I mean, we lived, they have another house. So they have two houses essentially, but they're right next to each other. Uh, and so we lived in the second house for three months. Just, you know, with her family who only speaks Italian. And I was just like, it was honestly exhausting. So, I mean, it was amazing. I love that they're they're the nicest people ever. I was so happy spending my time with them. But I would wake up. Well, then, first off, you have to remember the lifestyle is completely different. So you wake up, you have lunch, you have like a coffee and like a croissant or something. And then, you know, six hours later, lunch is at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And you have like seven courses of food. And you drink and then you have, you know, another seven courses at dinner. And so you're eating all the time and drinking all the time. Cause that's Southern Ita- Italy. That's just what you do down there. And then you, I have to like mentally try to speak another language that I'm terrible at all the time. So there was no communication outside of my girlfriend, like help me. Uh, and so that is actually quite exhausting. Like it's very mentally draining to have to try to speak another language 24 seven. And so that was, um, you know, we traveled all around Italy during those three months, but it was definitely exhausting to be able, or to have to force yourself to communicate outside of your own language. So shout out to people who do that all the time.
0: What town were you in?
1: Uh, it was called, so it was a region Puglia and it was a Stuni. So amazing town. Uh, it's, they call it the white city. Um, and it's a pretty hot vacation destination. I think like, Madonna was there at some point in those three Mm -hmm. months. Um, So it's definitely like a a really nice area. And we just live right on the outskirts of it. Her family does.
0: What are some things you learned about Italy that you wouldn't have learned if you were just sort of the regular travel traveler passing through for a couple weeks or even a month or two?
1: Yeah, um, definitely. I guess their culture, because, you know, like that's the main thing that you learn any place that you stay for a long period of time Is uh, the ins and outs of kind of how they spend their day to day, um, which goes back to they really like to have huge lunches and just relax. And I was like, when do they work ever? Like, cause I was talking to her family and it seemed like for what the first two months we were there, I like never saw any of them go to work. Um, But that was, you know, strategically planned because we got back. But it's a very relaxed lifestyle that you can maybe get. Um, from seeing it on a tourist perspective, going there for two weeks or something. But you get a different appreciation for their culture, you know, what drives them, the importance of their family, um, how close it is. You know, we go to their grandma's and have cousins, you know, with 20 some people every weekend, like every weekend, multiple times. Um, and so, you know, they are just very family oriented. And you hear that, but I think you just get a different level of appreciation when you live that. Um, and so that's probably one of the big things that I realized, especially in Southern Italy, uh, for, for that. Uh.
0: Yeah. When you live it, it's totally different. I mean, some, I, I asked you about the parents thing. Cause I remember the first time I met my wife's parents and sitting around the table and everybody speaking Norwegian and how nervous we all were and, you know, and all that stuff. So that's a whole you other story. There, you oh, you <laughs> nod, you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. What are we talking about now? <laughs> uh, and for somebody, you know, from the States who likes to, who's chatty. Obviously I have a podcast for a reason. I like to have conversations. So it's challenging. I'll have to have my wife on to tell that story a little more in depth another time, but yes, the mental exhaustion. I think that sometimes uh, you can look at things on the outside and see, you know, the romantic side of having an international relationship, like you're with this Italian, you know, you got this multicultural thing going on, international couple, and all this stuff. But then there's the reality day to day of kind of, you know, then you get to the country and you're like, okay, here I am, and, you know, I have to learn this language or figure this out, and this, you know, isn't is where I'm from. And they're all, then like the sort of the reality comes slowly crashing in after you get past the the initial sort of euphoria of uh, of the travel the travel euphoria I guess it's like okay Yes, the first few weeks there, I'm sure it was like a novelty, and then you're like, "All right, we're going to your cousins again. This is like <laughs> the fourth, you know, that kind of thing." Like, yeah. was that the experience in some ways? A hundred percent. When you
1: said <laughs> crashing in, yes, like it, it, you know, you realize, all right, so this is life for these people, and I'm trying to force myself—not force myself, but I am forced to be in it. Um, so the family thing was definitely a conversation. I don't know how many times. I said, can I please just stay home and sleep? I was like, I'm so exhausted. Let me just, I don't have to do anything. You guys can leave. Lock me in the house. I don't care. Just let me stay home and sleep. They wouldn't let you. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. They're like, no, you're coming. It's dinner with the family. You're the family. I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, things like that definitely added on to that exhaustion. Um, But. <laughs> I mean, I was a bit relieved to finally, you know, separate myself from that. Um, and it would have been obviously a bit nicer and easier. Um, I'm assuming as things went on, or if we had our own place separated from the family, so it wasn't so. You know, we could have our own nights. Um, but yeah, just being. I'm a very talkative person as well. So being at that table and, you know, they stare at you in your eyes and they'll say something to you and you think you understand, but then you don't really know how to respond. And then did you understand? Um, Yeah, definitely. You're always, you know, your brain's always going. So no time to relax.
0: I mean, I've been here for years here in Norway and I speak Norwegian and I can understand most things, but it still happens all the time when I go up to, visit. I was just up there this last weekend. And sometimes, you know, her dad will say something to me and I just, uh, I, 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 misinterpret it or where I think it's, I think he's telling me something else or maybe he's telling me something a little more serious or it's going in a serious direction, but I have like a light look on my face, you know, I, I, all kinds of things like that happening. So it's challenging for sure. I mean, this is part of what you sign up for in an international relationship. Right. But I find that it's just being a part of the culture in that way Changes you. I mean, do you coming from it? Sounds like you have a pretty strong drive. You studied entrepreneurship. You like had your own business right out of the gates. There's a lot involved with that. I don't know if you'd identify or self-identify as a type A personality type of thing, or kind of a go-getter or whatever. I I don't know, you know, because we're just we're just kind of going in depth here for the first time. But, you know, and then going into a relaxed culture like that where maybe just I mean you can tell me because you lived it but like you said it seems like do these people have jobs it's like there's is there a lot less productivity you know in that way because I feel like Americans can be very like I got to be productive I got to do this and then you know do we really because that's just a product or are we just a product of our our culture there and then you step into another culture where everything's a bit more relaxed I feel like it's that here and like for me that's been good for me but I'm just wondering how that was for you somebody Kind of running your own businesses and doing this and that. Were you able to? Did it slow you down?
1: <laughs> um, yes, it absolutely slowed down. You know, my business day to day. I just wasn't able to work nearly as much as I wanted. But at uh, and a point, did is, that
0: drive you crazy? And then did oh, you get absolutely. over it?
1: Absolutely. Um, once we left, yeah. <laughs> um, so you never really until, got over it? No, because I, I just wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that, you know, there's a level of politeness that, you know, I have and I'm not going to, I maybe did once or twice, you know, when I had a meeting that I was just like, look, I cannot miss this. I have to, you know, I have to prioritize this. But most of the time, I, I just lost that that battle of, can I stay in work? No, you're coming. Okay, like uh but there is, and you know that kind of carries over to Spain as well. It's very similar uh very different, you know. If you speak to an italian and say you're very similar to a spaniard they're not going to be very happy about what you just said uh so they're very different in a lot of ways but they're very similar in a lot of ways in the sense of their culture is very slow like in the sense of slow pace not very you know i want to have a siesta in the middle of the day and close my restaurant for the prime time in which you would consider uh hours in the u.s to sell and make money Uh, because they that's not really from what I've gathered a priority and the conversations I've had with people in Italy and in Spain, they don't care. I'm like, you guys are closing it. Yeah. I want to go. I want to go see my family. I want to go have a drink. I don't care. Um, so there is definitely a different vibe and to be able to adjust to that, not only, you know, personally, but professionally in a business setting, I was very, very different. Uh, but you know, if you can, if you can switch off that type a go get her personality and just kind of find time to relax. Uh, it is a really nice way to, to slow down. Um, but you know, then to mix that with, you know, an international business where the rest of the world necessarily isn't on the same page, uh, is something that I'm still, uh, I'm still becoming a master at, I guess you can say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great reminder of, or maybe it's we could say an opportunity to assess your values in some ways. Cause it's so, so in your face. And I, I mean, I, I kind of love that disregard for maximizing profit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a law here in Norway that the stores, there are Sunday stores that are open where you can get some food and things like that. But the stores in Norway are closed on Sundays. And at first it was like, well, what, what do you mean? This is like, most people only have 2 days to go do the things they need to do and i guess they pack it all in on saturday but it's sort of a systemic example of hey we're just gonna we're gonna live these values and we're also gonna like put a law on it so it kind of forces people to just be with their families on sundays instead of being consumers uh you know i'm sure that obviously people will choose that anyway but you know, just when you take away certain options like that, it's, uh, in some ways, it's speaking a lot about values, right? The values of a culture or of a nation or... Yeah, I I think that the the values, it sounds like that you were living in terms of like, you know, getting together with family and prioritizing that over trying to, you know, squeeze every last dollar out of your business... I kind of love that. I kind of dig it. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely.
1: Uh, and it was, you know, it is, it, you know, it's very difficult with a startup, you yeah. know, like... Well, you're a, you like, know, you're
0: bouncing like startup culture, which is yeah. intense. And yeah. you got that all in your head when you're walking around because you got your work, you know, it's there. And then you're, but you're in this totally relaxed. I mean, it's one thing if you just have money saved and you're traveling, you got nothing going on, nothing to yep. do, but... The startup culture is pretty intense, right? I mean... And
1: competitive. So right? like, how, like... Everybody's how wearing how hoodies you... and
0: coding all the time. And <laughs> isn't that the way it is? I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
1: Backwards hats. Um, yeah. You got
0: a backwards hat on right I now, do. dude. Yeah.
1: yeah, I do. Yeah, um, I asked you, I was like, is this video or can I just show up in my t-shirt and not care at all? Well,
0: now we're going to put it on video. No.
1: Oh, perfect. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. And I think that that's the struggle is again, I, it kind of goes back to that competitive nature that I was just talking about. Like, I am not a very chill. You play me in sand volleyball. I'm the <laughs> shouting at, Why did you miss that? Not terribly like that, but, um, you know, and then to go into a startup culture, which is very competitive, uh, and live in a, you know, grander culture that is no, no, no just have a beer, have a coffee, you know, just chill, chill, chill uh it's it's yeah still i haven't mastered it at, it's quite a juxtaposition
0: means. there you know mm-hmm. but but i would
1: say that i do really like uh and then being where i'm at now in bosnia and Herzegovina, very similar cultures kind of to that vibe uh they do have they don't close down as often so that's nice you know the restaurant that you go to isn't just all of a sudden gonna be closed for no reason uh so that is nice there but it is still that relaxed vibe of you know let's have a coffee for six hours at lunch and you're like okay uh and and so to be able to kind of appreciate that that slow down and just appreciate that you know you can answer emails later or you know you can do something at another time and just enjoy who you're with in the moment there is something in that for sure
0: well speaking of slowing down We got some reasons for slow matting here. We got to get to this list. I uh, first, I want to start off. I, I just wonder, let's clear this up right away and we can just be honest with it here is slow matting as a term. Is this just semantics? Like, is there any actual difference between slow matting and digital nomading or nomading or, you know what I'm saying? Slow travel, like there's all these terms, right? Is this just another hooky, buzzwordy term, or is there an actual, as you see it, is there an actual mindset difference between slow matting versus some of these other things?
1: So it is, it is, I guess, a newer hot term uh, because at it, it drives me. Well, it doesn't drive me crazy. I won't say that, but it's crazy to me that people really do like to kind of define themselves into a certain, you know, niche group. Um, I personally don't care that much, you know, call me a nomad, call me a remote worker, call me a slow mad. Um, but I guess to the definition of those groups, you know, a digital nomad is someone who obviously works remotely. Um, but then they travel around every, I think I just saw something that it's every 60 days is the average place that they stay at a location. Just on average. On average, yeah. Yeah. So some maybe stay, you know, four months, some maybe stay a month, but essentially they're moving very quickly from place to place. Some maybe stay two weeks. But a digital nomad, by definition, is someone who travels country to country and utilizes tourist visas to do such. And meaning, you know, a tourist visa typically in any place doesn't last longer than uh, 90 days. Um, And a slow med, by definition, would be someone doing that. Longer, So they're finding ways to stay maybe a year, you know, Uh, they're finding ways to stay uh, six months or longer at a place. So they're not moving around as quickly. They're getting set up longer. They're staying longer. Um, They're getting five year temporary residence permits and and so on and so forth. So I guess that by technical definition is the difference is a slow mad just does what a nomad does, does what a traveling remote worker does, um, but at a slower pace.
0: Yeah, but it's, of course, a huge experience difference as well. And you're making different places your home for extended periods of time. And that's why we put together this list. So we could we could say slow matting is probably comparable to this idea of slow travel. But even slow travel, I don't know. I've heard people talk about slow travel and they're, they're spending, you know, again, maybe they might be spending the three-month tourist visa in one place. But you're talking about years in a place and then moving around with no intention of going home. So I do think that's that's sort of the difference. You're kind of settling into communities Mm -hmm, a a bit more in some ways for a longer period of time than just a few months. Let's uh, let's get into some of the top reasons for slow matting as you defined it, number one.
1: Yeah, yeah. So number one, I'm assuming we're looking at the same list. We'll find out in about three seconds. Uh, But cultural understanding that tourists don't get um, and, and this kind of goes into what, what you were just highlighting, which is staying at a place longer really does allow you to get in, ingrained with the culture, understand you know, how people interact day to day. know, It goes back to what we were saying a bit um, in Italy, although that w- I was only there for a few months in Italy, so I didn't actually stay and set up shop there, uh, which I have done in Spain. But, you know, living with a family, I think, is a bit different than, you know, living in an Airbnb. So I did, you know, get some of the benefits of the cultural understanding. But when you stay at a place longer term, you know, like if you go to Australia, for example, and visit two weeks, as opposed to if you live there for three years, you, you really do understand the culture and the nuances, you know, a lot more um, when you're set up and get a chance to meet locals, find out where they go, find out what they do day to day. Uh, Instead of just going to a resort or a small nomad community that is international and doesn't really, you know, isn't extremely integrated to the extent of, you know, a local neighborhood is.
0: Yes, I can vouch for that for sure. I, I don't think that I realized until I moved here how long it takes to pick up the cultural nuances, to really start to pick up a lot of it. It's time. It's kind of like building a friendship or building a relationship, right? It's just time in. It's a beautiful thing, right? I mean, with these types of things, there can be different points, different seasons in your life where one way or the other makes sense. I mean, coming out of the gates as as a backpacker and kind of getting to the thing, like, I wanted to move fast and I just wanted to soak in as many things as possible, you know, things change. And then I have also come to see the value in, you know, after doing that for a while, it's kind of like, well, let's spend more time in places. And what does that do? And then I spent, you know, a few months in like Argentina and Chile. I just, instead of like trying to do all South America in three months, it was like, or it was almost four months, actually, like, let me just do these two countries and primarily Argentina. And it just, yeah. And I just really appreciate that. And kind of, I guess, not needing to check off a bunch of countries and just trying to have deeper richer experiences in the countries that i visited but again that's not criticism for anybody that's moved quickly because i've done that and really enjoyed it and you might be in a part of your life where that's i think you just got to be honest with what you want
1: exactly it's what it's what you want out of it a hundred percent because i'm not saying yeah i'm not saying one's better than the other but it's essentially some of the
0: reasons for this style exactly yeah
1: yeah and, and, you know, it's it's essentially when you go a bit quicker, you know, you read the cover of the book and maybe the first few chapters. So, you know, a bit about the book, you know, you're like, OK, I kind of know the plot line. I can guess where it's going. I can maybe speak a bit about a character or two. But then, you know, you finish the book by staying there for a long time and you understand the book. Um, and I think that that's a good way to kind of think about the differences. You know, just because you're digital nomading as opposed to nomading, you're still getting a lot out of that you're still you're still getting a lot of cultural understanding but you know if you stay longer and you set up shop well you're eventually going to finish the book
0: yeah good analogy (laughs) number two i don't know (laughs) (laughs) uh
1: yeah so number two is just getting local recommendations um and this is kind of within that same line of thought i guess as all five of these will be um, I think one example was when I was in Australia, I'd stayed at a place for uh, in Byron Bay for like seven months. And, you know, there was a bunch of things that you find on Google and you go and do all these things. And then I had met a guy at a bar who had been friends with for a while. And he said, Oh, we should go here. And I can't remember, it was a lake nearby. And I said, what is that? He said, you've never heard of insert lake name here. (laughs) Uh, And I had no idea. And he said, this is one of the best places to go. I looked on Google. I couldn't even find it. Um, And then, you know, you go to Google Maps and you zoom in and you find it. And I went and it was just amazing. It was the coolest hidden gem that you'll have never even heard of. Uh, And it's something that all the locals do all the time. And, uh, you know, you can't even find it on, on Google or anything. It's not on the top 10 tours, but like what to do. Uh, and, and so finding places like that you know it doesn't always necessarily have to be a lake but just what the tourists know um, as a, or sorry what the locals know as opposed to what typically tourists do uh, there is there is a difference in every place that I've been to has something like that that will eventually pop out when somebody's in passing talking about it uh, that you don't get you know on the surface.
0: Absolutely all right let's move to the third reason for slow matting
1: yeah yeah so discovering newfound appreciation from the above two uh either in your old home or new so this kind of ties in and we can just um go into number four as well which is seeing a new place as your home as opposed to a vacation um and so that newfound appreciation really comes from like I really see and and I'll even joke sometimes people will be like are you from Australia and some nights I'm just feeling it and I say yeah I am because I don't want to go into I've literally had conversations where you know if you're a US traveling abroad some people have certain you know preconceived notions of of US and US citizens and so there'll be people who come and they'll be like oh are you from Australia and I'm like no nah, I'm from the US and I had one person literally just go oh turn around and walk away and I was like Oh yeah, uh, I can't, I think it was in Spain. I can't, I'm pretty sure it's in Spain. And I was just like, "Oof, all right. I should have said yes, maybe. I don't really know. I guess that conversation's over. Uh, so sometimes I'll say, yeah, I'm from Australia because, you know, I mean, I'm not from Australia. I have been there a few years, but it does feel like a home to me. It feels, I'm very proud to have visited Australia for that long. I have so many friends in Australia. I love the culture. I want to buy a home there uh, in the near future uh, or in the future because I just, I love it. It it is a second home to me. Um, and I think Spain will soon hit in that category once I've been here a bit longer, but with slow matting, I think you get a newfound appreciation for places that you travel and consider them a home. Um, and then that goes back to something that if somebody says, for example, you know, let's just bring in COVID, which we're all so excited to talk about that. But, um, when, when COVID hit and everyone was like, oh, Australia is a great place because for the first little bit it was, but now I feel like people hear COVID in Australia and they're like, oh, that was the worst place ever. I'm like, you forget that for 99% of it, it was the best place ever. And then it switched. And so when people from, you know, the U S and some of my friends were like, oh, are you still in Australia? And I actually just left before the kind of harsher lockdowns happened right at the tail end, uh, for the, you know, short period that it was, You know they were like oh it's so terrible and you know xyz this is just you know the worst thing that's ever happened and it wasn't oh my goodness you're so right this is terrible it was let me reach out to some of my friends and ask what's going on and because i didn't have that kind of oh my goodness you know i absolutely believe what another country is saying is happening in this country which i also consider my home you know i i have a bit of self-defense for what's happening and I'm, I don't want to get into politically what happened and what's right or wrong. Or, I don't care about that. Um, but it's just you—you you have a new kind of. I'll jump to defense for that country first and foremost because it is my home, you know. And I'll discover and I'll and I'll dive in. Um, and, and and you just feel a bit more ownership in that place as opposed to, oh yeah, I visited there for two weeks. That's terrible. I, you know, I hear that on the news. Oh goodness, I'm never going to go back. Um, and so I think that that's a big thing to keep in mind when traveling long term is that it is, you know, another home for you.
0: Yeah, you didn't read like one article on BuzzFeed and make a sweeping generalization <laughs> about uh, how a place is. I mean, when you've been on the ground, yes, it, it brings the whole thing to life. It takes away the, the power of the media, I'd say, in many ways. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. You mentioned not caring about the political stuff, but you had an emphasis in political science. And, and, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you care uh, well, less I about that. it
0: than before?
1: <laughs> I do, actually. Uh, no, so I. it's not that I, I said that and I was like, oh, I probably misspoke there. I do absolutely care about it. Um, but you know, on platforms like this, on a public platform, it's not something that I care to engage with, you know, unless you were specifically wanting to talk about it. Um, but I also think that, you know, I just don't care to say something that maybe upsets someone in a certain way. Uh, And I'd like to keep it, you know, on the surface for some conversations, I'm happy to discuss what happened. Um, if that's a direction we wanted to take it, but I also think that with uh I'm here, and again, I've mentioned a few times Bosnia and Herzegovina, and their political system is something else. Uh, and you'll ask anyone if you come here about that. And just, yeah, the politicians of today, I, I, I would have some choice words for wherever they're at in whatever country. So that is, I guess, the reason I'd say I don't care to... It's uh, such a weird job. To oh. be a
0: career politician is such a strange profession I, it should, well that's a whole <laughs> is it a profession I or did do
1: they just kind of pocket pocket the profession <laughs> like I, I don't know uh, yeah there needs to be there needs to be a change of how they do it because ju- what i find just everywhere i go in europe you know people in the u.s say oh you know u.s politicians are so corrupt and they act like what europe isn't and you know not to dog on Europe, but like they they especially you know in certain regions in europe you know they'll they'll just pocket They'll raise up whatever uh, plan they have. So if they have an infrastructure plan, they'll raise up the prices for the constructors like 10 times, pay that, and then they'll just pocket the profits. So then they'll take taxpayer money. And I talked to a, a, a guy from Verona who's actually in the government and was just telling me he was a younger guy. Uh, and he was telling me what, you know, the, the older population, not to dog on them was what does, you know, they'll raise up these contracts, they'll pocket the extra cash. And that's, that's how they make money and it's taxpayer money. And I'm just like, and you know, you hear things like that and I'm like, oh, I just can't like, what do you, what do you, ugh. yeah. It's so,
0: the corruption's gross. It is. Can find it everywhere
1: light-hearted conversation right <laughs> bringing it back
0: well i mean these things come up it's you know this isn't a political show but it's like it's nice to think about learn about perhaps discover these types of things when you spend time in a country because there is the the sort of the rose-tinted glasses traveler that's passing through and you kind of just the more you learn about it the more you can take the place for for what it is warts and all in a way right and and every place does have its its warts right and so that's not a bad thing to discover those things and to hear those things i think it's a it brings a place even more to life and you realize you know everybody has their struggles with systems and different things around the world you know there again looking back to where i live i mean i think a lot of people just speaking of preconceived notions or sweeping generalizations that uh okay yeah, universal healthcare and all this stuff and everything's perfect. It's not always perfect, you know? It's just another way and there's good things about it and other things that need to be fixed, just like everywhere else. I got to say the, the public transportation here is pretty bang on though. Oh yeah. Europe <laughs> is definitely got its <laughs> feet on that one. It's it's yeah. uh, it's nice.
1: Yeah, I mean there's like there's always more than one way to make uh well, I guess if you speak to an Italian they might disagree but a bolognese, you know what I mean? Like there's more than one way to make something. And just because we do something in one way doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Uh, just because they do something in one way doesn't mean it right or wrong.
0: That's what you can do as a traveler is kind of curate your favorite things or you, you can start to question. When well, you start to question the way you do things at home, I think that's an important process for every traveler is once you spend time abroad and, and wherever you're from and then you you start to see uh, you get distance from your own culture and you realize things that are messed up about it or things that are made up about it that you don't necessarily agree with that you were living as your truth. There's all kinds of things to unpack, which is part of the learning about yourself process, I guess, when it comes to travel. Well, I mean, you mentioned number three, this newfound appreciation for your old home or your new one. So how has traveling given you a newfound appreciation for Kansas and for the states?
1: Uh yeah, so Kansas City, Missouri. But yes, close enough. That's uh. I oh yeah. have a, Sorry, Kansas City, <laughs>
0: Missouri. Sorry, I, I didn't good. realize you were Kansas because you went to Kansas State, right? That's yes, in, I did go. That's to Kansas in City. Kansas. Oh no. That is, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's in Kansas. That's okay, yeah. uh the Got
1: little it. apple. Um. Yes. But no. So I guess, and that kind of ties into a bit of the last point, which is you know you get this newfound understanding of your own home country. So when you go back, and I always say like. I always recommend people to travel because one or one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to absolutely love it and never want to stop, or you're going to realize I hate this and I just want to go home and I love my country. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you can't go wrong with it because you're either going to have a newfound, you know, appreciation for your home, whether it be Kansas, Missouri, California, you know, Arkansas, um, Those are three in the Midwest. I didn't do a very good job spreading that out. But um, you're know, you either going to have a newfound appreciation or you're not. And so I guess some of the things that I've realized um, traveling abroad is some of the freedoms that we think we have at home and we hold so dear are are pretty, you know, they're pretty much everywhere in the developed world, Uh, Europe, Australia, um, even places like Bali to an extent. You know, there are freedoms that we think are only, you know, we're so proud and true. Like we have all these freedoms, but, you know, they're pretty much everywhere. And even in some places like Australia, there's a lot of things that you can do in Australia that you're not even allowed to do in the U.S. And that's kind of the same with Europe as well. And uh, so I guess understanding, you know, the differences of what we think and then experiencing that, you know, you hear things like, for example, and I definitely don't want to touch on this one, please. (laughs) But like, for example, you know, we're like all very, you know, pro guns in the US, but then also very not pro guns, because, you know, you hear things like they're not allowed at all in Europe. But like, there are a lot of farmers in Europe that have guns. And you know, it's just about the getting that and the process of getting that. But when I was a kid and growing up, you know, you hear, oh, Europe doesn't have guns, Australia doesn't have guns, but that's just not true. And I think just being able to travel and hear that um is is kind of an eye opener to what you know is being it kind of comes back to that news outlet of you read a headline you hear something and you can determine from travel is that actually true or is it not and i'm just being told something
0: yeah (laughs) i'm just getting this visual of uh the ultimate flag waving
1: let freedom rain
0: it's like (laughs) oh by the way uh excuse me sir freedom is raining in many other places it's raining freedom (laughs) All over the world. Uh well, now we would love if every place was reigning freedom. Maybe not every place, but like, yeah, to your point, there's yes, it, it is funny to think that people can become so argumentative about their freedom and taking your freedom away when uh you know, some of these policies I mean, I always come back to this uh this, you know, the healthcare here. It's like that actually gives me more freedom. I don't have to pay <laughs> for my healthcare, I don't have to worry that if uh i break my leg in some bad way or something not gonna what it doesn't happen then i'm going to lose you know half of my life savings yep
1: there's it's freedom quite, in that it's,
0: yeah there is
1: that. and there's relief in that that mindset yes. alone is like wow this is nice like i don't it's, have to worry about that um, it can free
0: up a lot of mental bandwidth to do creative projects and things like that cuz you're not just having to take care of the logistics of keeping your family healthy and making sure you don't lose everything to an accident or something. And that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But, uh, but on, you know, on the flip side, yeah, I guess the new, you know, there are of course things about the U S that I appreciate and miss uh, being abroad. I'm sure you're ready to get back and have some, uh, what would be your kind of like the first, like thing you would eat would you be like like driving over to taco bell like the second you get back or something Dude, like I cannot that like believe what, you what said would you taco yeah bell. like what that what, is what, it what's the hit was it taco bell it, it's literally it. so <laughs> i don't know why
1: it, it, it was probably about not even that long ago a few months maybe six months ago and i'm just like can i please have taco bell i just want taco bell and it's not very international and I've like obviously Chipotle is very high up there, Buffalo Wild Wings very high up there, but Taco Bell, please, just like the one of the first places I'll go in the U.S. will be Taco <laughs> Bell without a doubt. Um, a newfound and that, and that,
0: appreciation for Taco <laughs> Bell.
1: Like never in my life. There was a one point where I think I like banned myself from ever going to Taco Bell in the U.S., <laughs> and now it's like the only thing that I want. Um,
0: it's so funny because when I was there this summer. I I realized we were driving by and we were all hungry and I we were and then I saw a Taco Bell coming up and I hadn't been since uh, for a long time and probably years and I was like, "Oh and oh, I haven't been and my kids have never been to Taco Bell. We're going to Taco Bell for lunch. <laughs> we're going to have to tag Taco Bell in this episode."
1: <laughs> yeah, please. And uh, can you can they anyway. send me the Dorito Locos Taco <laughs> um just over here please.
0: Yeah. So then uh and, and then you know my kids ate it which was probably like a mistake to go all get back in the car after that but and then they were like yeah they wanted another one and another one i was like oh there you go my kids are hooked on taco bell great <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> good funny.
1: yeah taco they bell. they probably don't have the appreciation either it's like a it's like a you know a foreign subtle or not subtlety um rarity for them yeah yeah
0: there's yeah, a word it's, for that a, it's, yeah it's a rarity <laughs> that that would be the word okay Last on the list, number five. I always like to end a list on an odd number, by the okay. way. It can't be an even number. It's got to be three, five, seven, <laughs> 17, yeah, then, 29, yeah. some weird. It's got to be an odd number. Why is that?
1: Uh, I don't know, but I agree. It, I de- it definitely makes it feel complete, right?
0: It's my listical OCD kicking in.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, the above uh, reciprocated. The locals get a chance to see you as more than a tourist, um and I think this goes back to almost what I touched on a bit earlier which is hey are you from Australia? No, I'm from the US. Okay, bye. I'm <laughs> like, oh, dang. Um because you know, there is definitely a difference traveling abroad and getting people uh, you know, meeting people and then them hearing hey, I'm from the US, but then continuing that relationship because I promise you, you know, people have preconceived notions and I we're actually Uh, on a trip right now and we're with somebody in the UK and apparently they don't have the best uh, the best mindset uh, for the locals in Europe as well because you know Brexit and stuff they're not a huge fan of what happened there Um, and so you know people will hear where you're from and then they'll automatically think something you know everyone's a bit guilty of that and I think it's a chance that when you stay in a place longer that those kind of immediate you know flips can be changed uh within the eyes of the local community which i think is very beneficial um and so i think that that is another benefit of living in a place is you know really just allowing them to view you as not you know somebody who comes in spends some money stays in some nice places drinks and you know demands this or that but you know they come in you know they're your friend they're they're somebody who lives in your country as well they're People all the same.
0: Mm -hmm. You get on equal footing in some ways. There's no separation. I mean, that's what. Yes, that can of course open up a society, or just open up a friendship or relationship. Really, what this comes down to is just opening up a connection, right? Or or maybe giving people the opportunity if they if they don't see you as a tourist, then they're more open to connecting with you on a different level. I guess it was maybe what it comes down to. How has that changed your experience on the ground, like in Spain? Have you been able to sort of develop local friendships more than you would have uh, otherwise, I guess? I mean, does that, that must change things on a day-to-day um, life being, basis,
1: Yeah, though? I mean, absolutely. You know, I think, I guess not necessarily the ability to make local friendships, but understanding, you know, and finding people, it's typically expats as well, not necessarily expats, but, you know, some of my one of my better friends in you know Spain that I've met is from Romania and he's living in Spain. He's lived there, you know, a lot of his life. But um, I definitely think Spain is one of those places that you really got to know and speak the language to be able to really kind of cross that that border because they are a very uh, welcoming and open group of people, you know, but they want you to speak the local language for obvious reasons, you know, um, whereas a place like where I'm at right now, Bosnia Herzegovina, they, they speak English, um, a lot easier. So like I'll be in a bar and they'll just come up and start speaking English with me. And I'm like, wow, that's really unique and cool. Um, and so I've actually made quite a a bunch of uh, friends over here as well. Um, quite easily based on that. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, it's one of those things that, it is nice to be able to come and and make friends in different cultures based on, you know, differences in languages.
0: Cool. Thanks for that. Great list. Top five reasons for slow matting. We landed on on five. And this kind of, let's kind of circle this back to Citizen Remote, your project. We can tell us about that. Because I think Citizen Remote is almost the flip side of this, right? It's like, hey, you're trying to build a community where... If you still want to connect with that international crowd and you want to get around, you know, you're in Italy and you're living that relaxed pace of life. But you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to be around other people that are in a startup or I'm going ins- going to go insane because <laughs> I need other people to vent to. And, you know, there's a whole that's a whole other kind of thing. Because A lot of this was focused on the experience in the country. But then there's this other side of now these growing communities of digital nomads, remote workers, slow matters wanting to connect with each other, that's a balance too, right? Like if you spend all your time in those communities, as you mentioned before, you're not really connecting with the place you're in. And that to me can take away from the travel experience. But that's of course a subjective feeling for everybody. Some people might want to be around uh, other nomads the entire time. I I don't know. That's everybody's individual decision. But what you guys are kind of building is something to help people connect in that way too, which is again, I don't know if you agree, but it's almost like the other side of what we've just talked about. Yeah,
1: no, it is. And, and I think, you know, we're doing kind of two things. Well, we're doing a bunch of projects within the overall project, which is citizen remote, but uh, like we're working with local, um, you know, event managers, I guess you can call it to, to, promote what they have on our platform. So like in Mostar right now, which is where I'm at, I've reached out to the music school that has events all the time. And to be able to have people like that around the world post their events on our platform, I think will be really beneficial for people who don't really know what to do, who maybe want to engage with the local community, find that more accessibly. Um and so that's something that we're doing to kind of on par with you know what we've been talking about in this whole this whole episode. And But then on the flip side, um, typically, and this might sound absolutely terrible, and I hope it doesn't uh, to everyone back home, but typically when I'm on a restaurant and I hear, you know, some American over in the corner, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, I don't, you know, whatever. Um, but then, you know, I, I think that and I have that kind of preconceived notion myself of like, oh, I don't want to, you know, talk or whatever, hear blah, blah, blah from another U.S. traveling, you know, on vacation. But then when I have that conversation, and I do, you know, I do connect with a US person abroad or an Australian abroad, I absolutely love that conversation. And there's so many connections that you don't realize that you have with someone from back home, you know, it's so much easier to uh, assimilate with someone from, you know, your home country than it is with Spain, because you just have so many things to talk about, uh, pop culture, you know, sports, whatever it is, um, food aside like we just talked about Taco Bell. Um, So there are so many things that are beneficial uh, to connect with people. And I think that that's something that we're trying to help um, with our app is that, you know, when you are out there and abroad, you do kind of have sometimes feelings of, oh, I just want to talk to somebody that I can easily, you know, just talk about Taco Bell with. (laughs) And, And so we allow that within, obviously, the other context of, being able to find local hidden gems, uh, local events and stuff like that. So yeah,
0: super cool. So yeah, everybody can find it at citizenremote.com. And do you want to share? Yeah. Just kind of like, I guess share your why for this and whatever you want to share here about where people can find you or whatever. Cool, yeah.
1: Um, So Citizen Remote, I guess, for the tagline that we're going with is a digital nomad community uh, built by digital nomads for digital nomads, although it is very primarily oriented around remote workers. Um, And we're essentially a hub, an international hub that allows easy access and travel to anywhere else you want to go in the world. Our main niche are these digital nomad visas, which are also just remote working visas, and we can help you get to any country that offers a digital nomad visa. Uh, we're building out automation technology around that as well, and we can help you in the meantime easily. And then from that, you know, we're uh, building out a system that helps you get from accommodation to local events to uh, social connectivity, technology, uh, and beyond for that we have a perks program we're developing and so there's a lot within the app that essentially makes it very easy to you know have everything you need um again from that kind of local aspect those local people who've been there uh those hidden gems all listed in one place uh for when you go to a place like mostar or barcelona or you know astuni italy you know you you don't know much about it you see a few things on google but we have that uh, a bit extra in that for you, um, from a local perspective.
0: Yeah. Cool. Last thing, the, the local perspective on Missouri. I mean, I love my toasted raviolis, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I've spent a lot of time in St. Louis, spent a lot of time in Missouri, uh, for many years because a lot of the work I did on the road, a lot of the companies were based there. So I've gotten to hang it in the Lake of the Ozarks and gone to on tubing trips and all kinds of things. I've ridden a bike on the Katy trail. I think it's called. Oh yeah. yeah. So there's some cool things around there. I'm just wondering, you know, taking from your list, if you are the local who is connecting with the traveler in Missouri and you're going to tell them to do some things, what are you going to, what do you tell them what to do in, in your hometown, in your home area? uh,
1: so I'm from KC, uh, Kansas City. Um, they're really known for barbecue there. Uh, some of the best barbecue, and which has tainted barbecue worldwide for me because it's just not that good compared to back home, unfortunately. Um, so amazing barbecue, cool jazz and like speakeasies in Kansas City itself. I'd go to Union Station. If you got a chance to watch uh, the Chiefs or the Royals, you know, do that. If you if you're into sports and even if you're not they're you know, pretty premier stadiums um, from Chiefs with the history. But then Kansas City's stadium itself is just beautiful with the fountains. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, the broader Missouri Lake of the Ozarks, you know, it's a great lake if you live there. It's a bit, you know, it's a bit uh, dirtier than a lake like Table Rock. So if you're going to go to uh, a lake, which, you know, Missouri is definitely known for its lakes, very green, you know, we got trails, we got the Ozark Mountains, Um, and as much as people might portray, you know, Missouri in this cloudy, you know, southern twang accent as Hollywood would like to portray, it's not as really sunny and beautiful in the summer, Um, go to Table Rock Lake, you know, you can be, I think it's like 30 feet deep you, and you can see the rocks on the bottom, so it's just this crystal clear lake. Um, we have spring-fed rivers as well, so kayaking um, on these spring-fed rivers in the middle of you know hundred degree weather is beautiful. And besides that, I think we got caves. You can check out caves, but yeah, <laughs> nice. rafting um, and and the lakes are probably the calling card that I would recommend to people.
0: Nice. Any last parting? words of advice on travel uh anything else you want to leave everybody with today
1: um yeah i get a lot of of especially with what we've been doing here in bosnia and herzegovina is you know how do you start this lifestyle how do you do this and it's it's just not as difficult i think as people perceive it uh and and i'd say one thing be flexible but two you know i think the whole you, you know world is a bit more uh, going towards this, this remote work. So if you have a laptop and you can connect to the internet, you can do, you know, what we do or relocate internationally. Um, and so I think just having the confidence to start that, um, and take that leap of faith is, is the one thing I'd suggest because it's, it's really not that difficult and eye opening once you do it.
0: Cool. Thanks for that, Tim. And uh, appreciate your time today. Hope we can do it in person next time.
1: Yeah. Cheers, man. I, I look forward to it. Take I really care. appreciate the podcast. It was a blast.
0: Thanks. There you have it. I want to thank Tim Martin once again for stopping by. Of course, we will link up to everything in the show notes. And one quick reminder, if you haven't done so, you can also sign up over at zero to travel.com. You know, I got some stuff going on off the podcast. There's a weekly newsletter going out with some helpful links and some thoughts and ramblings, musings, whatever you want to call them. You can sign up over at zerototravel.com if you haven't done so already. Keep a touch over there. As Tim mentioned, he's from Kansas City. So I went to visitkc.com to find a couple fun facts on Kansas City for you because I like fun facts. Did you know Kansas City is known as the haunted house capital of the world thanks to its pioneering of the, quote, open format where brave visitors are asked to roam without following a predestined path. I didn't know uh, Kansas City was on the cutting edge of haunted house technology. (laughs) I love the way they phrase that sentence. Very over the top. Good marketing, whoever wrote that copy. Also, the Kansas City area boasts more than 100 barbecue restaurants. i visited several of them over the years. It's been a while, and what goes better than haunted houses and barbecue i mean when you think about haunted houses your mind just immediately goes to barbecue doesn't it no not at all i know that that's why i pull those two facts out because they're totally random anyway <laughs> moving on quick shout out to a listener who's making my dreams come true by making her dreams come true i got this voicemail yesterday have a listen hey jason helen here I just wanted to say that your podcast has been an inspiration to my husband and I for the last seven years. Thanks so much for all you do. But this week, we're actually packing up our entire house and leaving for full-time travel. We have literally a begin date, but no end date. And we've saved up money the last two or three years, and we are embarking on a journey around the world. And you have definitely been a big, big I guess, influence of that. So we thank you so much. And we'll be essentially documenting our travels through Helen and Tim Travel, our YouTube channel. And it is going to be an amazing time. And we just can't thank you enough. And we hope to be able to come to Norway as well. That's definitely on our top five list. All right, catch you later. Huge congrats to Helen and Tim. So cool. And don't you love to hear somebody say, we have a beginning date? but no end date. (laughs) I love that. So I said you're making my dreams come true because that was the whole point of this show, going back to what we started on at the top, traveling the world on your terms. For you guys, that means taking off with no end date. And after all of the work and all the years and the saving and the working towards it, you've made it happen. And that's the whole intention of this podcast is to just do whatever I can, to help get people out on the road. So I want to say thanks because that was always my dream to be able to create something to now even earn a living from something that helps people travel. That's all I wanted to do. And I get to do that. So I just feel so fortunate and I want to thank everybody for being here and, and listening and just thank Helen and Tim for taking the time to leave a message. Let me know that the work matters to them and also to congratulate you for your accomplishments. Huge congratulations. No small task. Enjoy it. And yes, please do reach out if you pass through my town of Oslo, Norway. That goes for anybody listening. By the way, speaking of intentions, before I leave you with a quote, I do want to wrap this whole episode up with one thought. Maybe it's not so much a question as it is a statement or a concept, but this idea of just creating an intention for a trip, whether that means you're intentionally working towards living the slow-mad lifestyle or you have an intention around an upcoming trip where you're going to create space for yourself to explore your next career, whatever the case is. Intention... Can change how a trip unfolds for better or worse, right? I mean, maybe an intention can be a non intention, meaning you're going into a trip with no expectations and no intention. And the intention is to not have an intention, to just be totally open, as open as you can possibly be. So that's another way to look at it, right? Either way, this idea of having a bit of an intention around the things we do in travel even with our work day, what is the intention for our work day today? Or can we set an intention for our mindset? I try to do that sometimes. I often don't live up to it, <laughs> but I might set an intention for the day to try to be patient, to be more patient today, right? What does that look like as it relates to travel? Just something to think about as you go into your next trip or your next adventure or the next leg of a journey that you're on. What might be your intention for that day for that next week or two for that next month, depending on how long you want to do it. I just thought I'd bring this up since slow matting is a style of travel. It's got me thinking about styles of travel, got me thinking about having those intentions that we have to have a particular lifestyle of travel or to have a particular experience on a trip. I'll use a personal example uh, this past summer. I worked really hard to create a lot of mental space for myself by untethering from some business stuff I had and from batching my work with the intention of just really being present with my family for a six-week period in the States. And that intention of presence without interruption, without the work stresses, really drove my entire pre-trip lead up because I was batching my work. I was preparing myself to set myself up for fulfilling my intention of being present with my family without the mental distractions and without the work distractions where I'd have to go off and do a lot of things. So I did everything I could to create that space and to fulfill that intention. And I feel like I succeeded. So that is just one personal example of how I infused intention into a trip. And at the bare minimum, if you want to Nice little challenge once you finish this show. Just set an intention for the day. I'm going to do the same when I get off this uh, microphone and wrap this show up, which we're going to do here in just a few seconds. Set an intention for the day and do something that is feeling healthy for you, whatever that means. Now, I'm going to pull into the quote drawer here and leave you with this one from hmm, Swami. Vivi Kananda, who said, dare to be free, dare to go as far as your thought leads, and dare to carry that out in your life. Thanks again for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace and love to you and yours, and I'll see you next week. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroTotravel.com. Ideas and advice to
1: make your travel dreams a reality.